two of something real special. With peanut allergies. Star Wars. Relive the magic again on DVD for the very first time. Don't do that, Star Wars. My name is Mark, and I do a wee podcast called You Call That Radio. So, can you give us a wee shout out to you? Can you just say you call that radio just to begin? You call that radio? I didn't call it. You didn't call it, no. Okay, so, what's, um... Day 15 of Edinburgh Fringe, and the mood has changed. This city is swept away with hangovers, as 48% of performers' dreams have been crushed forever. Flyer guys and gals are dazing into the abyss as their muscle memory dispenses another suggestion which falls into the gutter via a palm belonging to someone in media who has an internal battle with anger and politeness. And nobody that I know has seen a show yet, apart from their own. Everybody just walks around handing out or accepting bits of cardboard. Everybody gets distracted and spends the full day walking around diagonal cobbled lanes that makes even Google Maps shite themselves. Ghostly surroundings with an air of sun-dried urine because you need to be a paying customer to exist in this city. There is no internet reception. Either because the internet is shite here or too many Instagram cunts. Nobody truly knows, but we suspect that there is a secret Wi-Fi for people that have been on the telly and for reviewers who gave out that elusive five-star review to the right person. Every drink here costs at least a fiver until you say, Really? To the bartender. And then sometimes... Discounts appear as if by magic, like bagpipes outside a chip shop. We all pretend we love run rig because our patriotism has better tartan than everyone else's patriotism. And that's a good indication that we were randomly born into the best country that ever existed. And perhaps the time we exist in is more important than our ancestors before us and that of the future generations we leave behind. Only with Snapchat, skinny jeans and anecdotes of home ownership folklore, they assume as a myth like the Loch Ness Monster or growing up with no internet. But that's for historians to decide. I met one of them tonight. He was on a unicycle and handed me cardboard. Then I promised to go to the show but I didn't because I got lost walking in circles. High diagonal circles. This fuels our economy, you know. Literally. And I mean literally in a literal sense. The fringe fuels our economy. Apart from the oil, it's all the walking and cardboard interactions that keeps us ticking over. We are like skeletal wind farms 
fueled by caffeine and cocodamol. 5,000 shows today and only 40 audience members. But 5 million shortbreads sold today and today 20 homeless people arrested for the crime of being outside despite the fact they have no home to go to and have nowhere near enough money to be a paying customer anywhere here. This is the mad circus that tourists say is pretty and Glaswegians say, you couldn't get away with that in Glasgow. Usually in a patronising tone until they hear that certain bars are open until after 5am. Ooh, you couldn't get away with that in Glasgow. Londoners think this is Glasgow. Aliens think this is a roach convention for smoky humans. Locals think this is mostly pish. Bartenders and waiters have sore feet. The chefs are raging because some things never change. I see a rabbit hopping in the shadow of the castle. The sunshine on the gardens illuminates its busy wee face. At first I thought it was chasing a festival invoice. <laughs> but it, no, no. It comes towards me with the motion of a kangaroo on ketamine and whispers to me something. I say, rabbits can't talk, and it replies, does that for about, well, I can talk. I am a rabbit and I can talk. And I say, fuck cardboard flyers. And go to the Gyro Babies and Mickey Nine show at Stramash on August the 23rd. Or better still get out of Edinburgh and see Gyro Babies, Steve Mason, Mungo's Hi-Fi, The Moods and John McMustard at the Barrowlands Ballroom on September the 21st. Paris Fest, mate. Paris Fest. Brothers and sisters, may the peace that can only come from the one God be upon you. We are here to tell the people that we hear you. One God will not allow us and people of conscience to lose our morale. We see the crimes of this government. Afternoon, Trippadors, and welcome to episode 8 of You Call That Radio. Today's main event is an interview with the author, Lucy George, also a singer-songwriter known as Lucy Lyrical. It's the same person. It's aliases, so there's two of them, but it's one person. It's an interview I actually did, it was actually the first interview I did for You Call That Radio, but this is me just getting round to releasing it. So... Stay tuned for that, it's going to be a good one. The loose theme of today is Facebook adverts. How many of you listening are sure that the microphones are recording what you're saying or there's some way that the, the Facebook algorithm is picking up keywords, do you know what I mean? Like, have you ever talked about a thing 
and you haven't Googled it or anything, but you've talked about it, and then it appears on an advert. Now, I watched a thing called The Hack. It's on Netflix about Cambridge Analytica, and they said that it's, you know, they asked who, who thinks that the microphone's recording you, and everyone went, I do, I do. And they said that, no, it's not. It's about predicting human behaviours. And apparently we're all very predictable beings and we fit these personality traits and we do these things. But you'd also, you wouldn't put it past Facebook using the microphones, would you? You wouldn't put it past them. Obviously they're going to say, no, they don't do it. But what I found quite interesting was is that I've not actually had a phone for three weeks. And in that time... If anything, it seems to be getting more accurate. So I don't know if they've built that picture from previous data or... But I've not really been doing much. So either the algorithm is getting better at predicting behaviours. And that would make sense because there's masses of data that all these companies have collected and they're swapping some of it legally, some of it not. And so I... Maybe it's coincidences. Maybe a bit of luck. And obviously you're only going to... The ones that are actually buying on are the ones that are going to stand out. You're not going to see an advert for something that you're not interested in and go and think there's anything unusual about that. But when it's something really close, so I, I would love to hear your stories on it. I bought a twirl for the first time in years, a tw Cadbury's twirl. It was next to the, the till at the shop and I just went for it. And where, two minutes later, I went on to my computer and Facebook was advertising a twirl to me. And I thought that was mental. But that could be a coincidence or good luck, I don't know. But I never spoke it out loud. I, I didn't have a phone and there was nobody else to talk to, so it wasn't anyone else with me. Only me and the shopkeeper knew. I don't think the shopkeeper told Facebook. You know, I don't think he phoned them up and went, all right, that's him, a guy with a twirl. Also doubt that they would want to sell a twirl to someone who's just bought a twirl. You know what I mean? But creepy level, 9 out of 10. But my final conclusion is, they just get lucky. But next day, I was about to go for a subway, which I don't usually don't usually get the subway. But boom, just a couple of hours before I went for a subway, there's an advert for the Glasgow Underground. I reckon that was... They figured that one out from a private message in Facebook. Because I was, I did, I was in a couple of messages. I was meeting someone, and I was saying, "Right, I'm going for the subway." Blah blah blah. Or the fact that I'd been sharing the event page to the QMU show, which I was going to later that night. So it was, um, that was Glasgow against racism gig, by the way. Bomb scare, the twistets, the wakes, bra, good, good night. So I'm assuming that the message they they would have known that I was going to the the QMU. I don't know. But later that night, I had a Subway sandwich, right? Don't judge me on that. But when I got home, there was an advert for Subway, the sandwich shop. So maybe that was down to because we was chatting about the Subway and private messages earlier in the day. Maybe they know I get hungry at night. I don't know. What, I mean, what are the companies actually saying in their ads? Is there a, you know, if you have, when you do a sponsored poster, there's a thing that says, a button that you can press that goes, I would like to advertise to people that bought a twirl five minutes ago. Or Facebook, could you advertise the Subway Underground to anyone who's going out for a night out in the West End tonight? Or Facebook, 
Could you find a cunt that bought a meatball marinara sandwich last night? As you'd like to sell him another fucking sandwich. I don't know how it works. I don't know. I don't know. But it might just be luck. It might just be coincidences. So, by all means, please tell us your stories. I'd love to hear them. You can email us at youcallthatradio at gmail.com and you can also give us a phone. We're always available or the, the answer machine's always available as well. So I'd like to hear your stories on that. That's today's talking point, by the way. Now, another man who has been a wee bit upset about the adverts is Frank Foody. And he actually gave Cadbury's a wee phone call to discuss the advertising of twirls. So this is Frank Foody phoning Cadbury's Twirl, sponsored by the High Street Sandwich Company. Hi, can I help? Is that Cadbury's? Yes, it's Mondays International now. It's part of home of Cadbury's. Oh, that's right, you just get bought over by Malcolm Glazer and that. He's got bought over by Malcolm Glazer and that. The Americans? Yes. Alright. No, I don't mind Americans. Some of my pals were saying that it's not the same because the Americans bought it over, but I don't agree with that. I don't agree with that. I'm a fan. I'm Frank. How you doing? I'm Frank. I'm fine, thank you. Can I put you through to somebody? Yeah, that'd be good. I want to speak about the Cadbury's chocolates. The Cadbury's chocolate people. Cheers, Cabri Caroline. If your call is regarding Cabri World, press one. Cabri's World. Cabri press two. Eh? For Cabri ice cream, frozen dessert, press three. For yogurts, mousses, and dairy. Fuck yogurts, mate. What's that about Cabri's World? Press five. Something about Cabri's World. Cabri cakes, press six. Fucking hell, what is it? For any other Cabri product or general inquiries. Please hold for an agent. Aye, ask me, I'll just hold it, I'll hold Fuck, say, did they get Cadbury's World? So it's like a, a, like a land of chocolate? Fucking shit. Inform you that we will record this conversation in order to... Ah, sorry, ah, sorry, darling, so ah, uh, uh, so ah. Uh, we may also need to ask you to provide some personal data for the same purposes. Ah, sorry. Always treat your data I'm Frank. I'm Frank. Stop putting it up, mate. Oh. oh no! I accept all cookies. I accept all cookies. Just hurry up. Oh, hey, Crispin, how you doing? I'm Frank. I'm a foodie. Um, big fan. Are you Cadbury's chocolate eye? Yes. Yeah. Alright, nice one. I'm a I'm a big fan. I'm a big fan, first of all, of the of the chocolate. I remember first time my first encounter with Cadbury's it was chocolate buttons, remember them? Chocolate buttons. Yeah. It was in a smoky cafe. I, I was three. They were right. drunk. And they're like, no, nah, Frank, you can't smoke my club cigarettes, but they, but there you go, you can have a chocolate button. You know? I grew up in the golden era. The wispy golden, the whisper, you know, the whisper golden era, <laughs> you know, whisper golden that. But um, yeah. So, tasters as well. Remember them, tasters. Um. Yes, I know of them. Yeah. Oh, some done, some done them, didn't they? 
<laughs> Aye, so love, love, love everything about Cadbury's. Like, there was a few of my mates stopped eating picnics because the Americans took over his. Like, see, because Malcolm Glazer and all that bought his over. But I just right. turned, I just turned a blind eye to it because I love the chocolate. You know what I mean? And I'm a foodie. And there's all this fancy new chocolate. You don't need to have Cadbury's anymore. You get chocolate for Belgium and all that now. But I just like, I like, I like what I like. And I like Cadbury's, you know what I mean? So I just a dairy milk, you know what I mean? That's the damage, you don't need to, you don't, you don't need Belgian chocolates. It's all, it's all, it's all, everyone just wants a fancy Dan stuff. You know what I mean? But just give me a dairy milk and I'm happy. And I'm a foodie. I'm a foodie. I have, tr I have tried these other things. But Cadbury's for me, numero uno. The best. However, I had a wee problem the other day. Are you there, Crispin? Okay. Yeah. So, yes, I'm here. Yeah. So I got... Uh, so what happened was I went and got a, I went and got a Cadbury's a twirl. Right? And... I, and I hadn't had one of them in years, years it's been. But I just seen it at the side of the shop, I seen it. I was like, bottle of Frosties, bottles of Frosties there, but they used to be, fuck it, they used to be three pound, now it's like 14 pound. But I went and got a bottle of Frosties and I went, do you know what? I'm going to treat myself to a twirl. I'm treating myself to Frosties. I might as well treat myself to a twirl. So I buys a twirl, comes up the house, check the Facebook, right? And guess what happened? It, it was an advert for a twirl. Do you know what I mean? Right. So, okay. it's, so it seems like the internet, you, your, your internet is connected to my internet because you knew I had a twirl because she's advertised a twirl and I'd just already just eaten one. So what do you think of that? Okay. Why, why, why has that happened? I've got no idea, I'm really sorry. Do you think it's just because your internet's connected to my internet and what was supposed to happen was as you were supposed to advertise a twirl to me when I was going to the shop to get the Frosties. But what's happened actually is is I was too quick because my internet's faster than you. My brain's faster than your internet. So I've went and got the Cadbury's twirl and then I've came back and then the advert's there, but... The advert didn't work because I'd already had a twirl and I'm one twirl a day is enough for me. It's my if it's my first twirl in five years, you know what I mean? So I'm not gonna go back and get another one. But it's so it's like do you think that the the Facebook's got like a wee someone told me that the, the Facebook can listen to your uh, your phone. So maybe what's happened is I went, Oh can I get a twirl? And uh, the, the internet's heard me. And that's why you've advertised it. What'd you think? I don't I really don't know about that. Um, we wouldn't know anything with the adverts or anything um, so, coming up like that. So, I can't really advise. I'm really sorry. So, is it... But, I mean, obviously, you, you've obviously paid... You've, you've obviously had Facebook adverts, so... Because it, it wouldn't come up unless yes. you just went, you know what, let's... let's Let's give Facebook some money to put on some adverts and let's target Frank. That boy loves a twirl and he hasn't had a twirl in five years. You know what I mean? So it's a good idea to give Facebook the money to 
to, you know, advertise to me because I deal of a twirl and I hadn't had one in five years. But just the exact same moment, you know what I mean? It's mad, isn't it? Yeah. It's good. Yeah, certainly a little bit of, but I wouldn't know why that is. Do you think it's the... Do you think it's because your internet is just five minutes slower than my internet? I don't really know how the ads on the internet work, so I don't know. Is it, is it, is it I don't know why it wouldn't would have popped up like that. Yeah, it's a, it's, it's my dying game. I think it probably is what I said, just because your internet's just been a wee bit slower than my internet, and that's how it's happened. But you know, I, I don't. I, I mean, I'm not complaining about it because I do love a twirl. But what if? Do 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 you remember the do you remember? See, do you know what do you know about Fredo economics? Fredo economics. So you said that they. So even if it says twenty five pence on the Fredo, they can just say no, mate. It's a pound fifty for a Fredo. So the. Price is actually printed on the packaging, but basically, yes, they can charge whatever they want for the product, even though there is a recommended retail price attached to it. So that's why. So they can just say whatever they want. They can just go. They can charge a fiver for a Fredo mm-hmm. if they wanted. They can just say it's a fiver, and they and they would bat an eyelid. They really wanted to, yeah. Yeah, well, if, it seems like. You know, anything can happen these days, you know what I mean? Anything can happen. You've got big Boris in charge now. You can, anything can happen. People can just say, it's a, it's a fiver for a Fredo, mate. And people are like, oh, well, I'll need to pay a fiver for a Fredo. Do you know what I mean? But I think, what, but the, but the thing is, on the, on the, the garage ones don't say 25 pence on them. Do you know what I mean? Okay. So they go, yeah. They don't say they don't say the price on them. So I think that what the garages are doing is they're they're getting some some from the Cadbury's factory. They're getting the ones that don't say twenty five pence on them, so so that they can charge what they want. Because I think they're getting a lot of trouble. See if they see the twenty five pence written on them, and then they tried to charge a pound. Mm-hmm. People when they stand for it, they be like, no, no, mate, no, mate. I'm I'm not getting my Freddos for here. I'm going to get my Freddos for the supermarket. You know what I mean? Because you get, you get mm-hmm. supermarkets, they Freddos even cheaper. You know, they've got, they, they've got, they, yeah. I think they have a good deal. They've got a good deal, mm-hmm. they must have a good deal with them. So, what's happened to the Whisper Golds? Mm-hmm. Why is there no Whisper Golds anymore? Well, they're still being made, um, they're not being delisted or anything. Um, we wouldn't be able to say, uh, where in your local area you would be able to find them because it is up to the retailers themselves to decide what they want to have in stock. All right, so it's like a kind of treasure hunt thing. So it's a treasure hunt, you've got to find the wisp of gold and then you win a prize. No, no, no. That's right, no, that's a good no. idea. It's a good idea. It's, it adds a bit of adventure to your, to your, to your chocolate, doesn't it? you just got to go, you've got to look. Look around and find the whisper gold, and then if you keep if you collect the wrappers, do you win a a, a prize to Cadbury's World? No, 
we don't have a promotion like that going, unfortunately. I thought I seen something like that. Um, oh, I'm maybe getting confused with the film. But you know Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, Willy Wonka. And yeah. it, so I'd like to give yeah. us, I'd like to give a suggestion. Why don't you do that? And you just, you've got to find the wisp of gold. You collect, say, five wrappers, and if you find five wisp of golds, you get to go to the chocolate factory. Put that suggestion forward. For it's a you. it's a brilliant idea. Like I don't want any money for the idea, right? But mm-hmm. I would like to go to the chocolate factory because I'd like to take my grandson because he's he doesn't really like chocolate. Do you know what I mean? He's he's one of these millennials, so he just likes Starbucks and that. He just drinks Starbucks all the time. But I think he would like. Right. I think that would you know to, to show him about the history of Cadbury's. Show him the five pence Freddos. Show him the tasters, the, 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 you know, the tasters, the, the good stuff before it all get a bit watered down. Can't he have the same amount of sugar anymore or you, or you get... There's not enough sugar. I don't think there's enough sugar in the world, is there? But, so, the Cadbury's factory, how do we go about going to that? Well, there is a Cadbury World. Um, it's in Birmingham. And they have a website that you can visit. Um, it has all the information about how to get there and how to buy tickets. So you can take a look at that. Amazing. So um, it's got a chocolate a chocolate swimming pool. You can just jump in the chocolate and, and drink as you swim. No, we won't have that, no. Just a wee bit. We won't have that, Because it's, it's too hot. No. Is the chocolate too hot? No, we don't. We don't have that kind of thing in the factory. <laughs> I bet. I bet you there is for the VIPs though. I bet you the VIPs all get that. You know what I mean? Your Einsteins and no. yeah, all the all the, the VIPs. You know what I mean? The wee, like everyone just jumps in, full pail into a big water fountain and just swims about eating all the chocolate. That'd be brilliant. What's the point in having? That would be health and safety issue. Oh, but come on. What's the point in having a chocolate factory if you don't get to swim in the fountain of chocolate? You know what I mean? You've got to be swimming the fountain of chocolate. But I suppose it is the Americans that have taken over it, but they're all, they don't really care about health and safety, though. They know what we're, like, what, you know, trying to just, like, just eat what you want kind of thing. Because I heard that's, what, that's why EU is good. Because they're going to get us out of the EU and then we're going to do a trade deal with America which means we don't have to pay any workers anywhere and we don't have to do health and safety anywhere. So Brexit's not all bad because maybe we can all swim in a fountain of chocolate together, do you know what I mean? Maybe it's, Brexit's not all that bad after all. Okay. So, aye, is there anything, is there anything you'd like to ask me? Because I'm a foodie, you know, I can maybe help you out with some suggestions or whatever. I think I'm okay for now. Thank you for offering, though. Yeah. No worries. Have you got any free samples? Are you giving out any free samples today? Unfortunately, we don't send out samples at all. Oh, of course, health and safety. We don't have any... No, we don't We don't have access to them. We don't have any here where we work. Uh, um, so they can get broken in the mail. Yeah, health and safety. So we don't send out any... Ah, it's health and safety. It's political correctness, isn't it? You've got to be careful because you don't want to have people having free chocolate. But the thing is, what I would say is that I know you don't normally have 
chocolate in the in the probably whatever it is a call center or whatever. But you must have a wee vending machine. So if you've got it in the vending machine, just stick a quid in, send it to me. I'm Frank. I'm a foodie, and I could just give you some tips on how to change the flavourings. You know, like I've I've got an extensive spice rack, so I could just maybe give some tips and you know that picnic needs more raisins, less cinnamon, that kind of thing. Right. Um, unfortunately, we won't be able to do that for you. I am really sorry. Oh, have you not got any vending machines? All right, all right. No, fair enough. The health vending machines are quite dangerous these days with health and safety and all, because you can land, you can fall on you and stuff like that. No, it's it's fair, fair. It is what it is, isn't it? It is what it is. All right. Well, thank you very much for your time today. I'll check out Cadbury's World and see if I can get one of the VIP tickets. Um. We wouldn't be able to send you any tickets either, unfortunately. All right, all right, all right, okay, so do you just need to buy the tickets? You you would have to get them yourself, that's right, yeah. Right, all right, or just find the Whisper Gold wrappers and then just hope that there's a secret sort of competition on. Because that is a good idea if you take one thing away, is save up the wrappers and then let people into the chocolate factory for free. And I think that would be, that would be really good for your business. And like I said, I don't want any money. But just, if it's got any samples, then just give us a shout. I'm always up for free samples. I love my chocolate. <laughs> I love my chocolate. Uh, you know, uh, chocolate daft. They call me, they say, there's Frank Foodie. He's chocolate daft. But aye. Cheers anyway. Enjoy yourself. Thank you. And uh, have a good no night. Problem. All right. Take, see you later. You right, bye. Bye-bye. And that was Frank Foodie phoning Cadbury's twirl. Now, before we go to the main event with Lucy George, I would just like to thank everybody who's been supporting this podcast, as always. You can get us on the Facebook. You can get us on the Twitter. We are also, if you enjoy the show, by all means, please do join the Mince and Tatties crew, which is for $3 a month, which is about £2.40 a month. That gets that that money goes into the show to support what we do here at YCT Abbas, and it's amazing. Everyone who's, who's chipping in and helping make it this all work. So if you do want to sign up, just go to patreon.com forward slash you call that radio, and we're always going to sort out you with free stuff, bonus material, random raffles, and stuff like that. The the recent raffles we've we've given away Belladrum passes, we've given away Dun the Rabbit Hole passes, Kelburn Garden Party passes, tickets to fringe shows such as Darren Loki McGarvey's show. We've given away shows to Leila Josephine's show, Scotland Today. We've had tickets for John McMustard and Friends Fringe Show. All of them, by the way, are still on, so go and check them out if it's still fringe time when you hear this or if you live in the general vicinity. And also the Gyro Babies and Mickey Nines will be playing Stramash on the 23rd of August. Super and the Kryptonites, I think, are playing that night as well. That's a free gig. And then we've got the big one on September the 21st, which is Gyro Babies at the Barras, celebrating 10 years of highs and lows. Please do support this gig. We, it's a big venue. It's 2,000 people going to be there, hopefully. So we just 
if you if you're interested, please do buy a ticket in advance for that one. We also have Steve Mason, Mungo's Hi-Fi, The Moods, and John McMustard and Friends. Also, a shout-out to Cat Hepburn's friend show, Gerald Tood, and uh, Kevin Gilday's show, which is called Suffering from Scottishness, and Becky Fury's show as well. So get them checked out if you're in the Fringe area. And, yeah, if you want to support the show, it's patreon.com forward slash you call that radio. And thank you, everyone who's been supporting Coming up is the main event now with Lucy George, who is a fantastic author. She wrote a, her first novel is called Three Women, which is available now. And she's also a singer-songwriter called L- Lucy Lyrical. I actually recorded it, like I said, it was the first ever interview I did at the Icebox. So shouts to the Icebox, who are actually doing a fundraiser just now because they had a flood. So please do support the Icebox if you can. Uh, they were great for, the, for their interviews. And on this day, I also spoke to... Jake, the very Reverend D. Wayne Love of Alabama 3 fame. Now, that interview's still not been released, obviously, because he sadly passed away on the week it was supposed to be released. But I'm planning bringing out maybe the 10th episode. So that still gives us time to get some tributes. So if you've got any funny stories um, of Jake or any memories of Alabama 3 or anything that you would like to, to get on the tribute show, then please do get in touch with me by phone or by email and we'll try and get your story on the show as well. So that's coming up soon. Uh, but in the meantime, it was an absolute pleasure to speak to us. She's a very intelligent writer, a funny a comedian, also great singer. She does she does it all, really, and she commutes from London to, she considers Glasgow her second home, so you will find her either in London or Glasgow most of the time. And, yeah, let's, let's hear. This was my first interview, by the way, so see if I've, hopefully I've got better. Uh, but yeah, this is the interview, the main event, Lucy George at the Icebox. You call that radio. You call that radio. No, you call that radio. We are live in the Icebox, which is a new arts venue, music venue and record shop. And I'm here with the author, Lucy George and the musician Lucy Lyrical. And it's the same person. And it's the same person. Uh, how are you doing, Lucy? Good. Yes, I'm here with uh, in two, my alter ego and me, all in the same person. It's getting crowded in here. <laughs> and you, what do you make of this place? First of all, I just think this is so rock and roll. I mean, this is the kind of place that you want to be on the guest list for. And I, the, the stage, I'd love to see this packed with people. I'm going to yeah. be, you know, I'll definitely be down here. Well, this is, the, this is the first, point. we're on the 31st of January, this is the first podcast, so that it will be open by the time you, you hear, hear this, and uh, open for business, so check it out, it's in the Gorbals St. Luke's Business Centre, and Lucy, what brings you to, well, first of all, where, where are you based? Yeah, well, I, I live in London, yep. um, Glasgow's a bit of a second home to me, I've got a lot of friends up here, and I try and get up here, let's say four times a year, something like that. And in fact, my flat in London is known as the Glasgow Embassy because I have so many people from Glasgow come and stay with me. Actually, I should be careful about saying that, yeah. shouldn't you, I? You, you end get up more. getting a, you end get up getting, more. Yeah, yeah I, I need some kind of flag, actually, outside to make it official. Maybe some people from Edinburgh just to... Oh, no, 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 no. no Sorry, Edinburgh I'm band. Strictly, strictly Glasgow, I'm afraid. <laughs> Literally, I can't, I can't extend it anymore. My sofas won't stand it. But um, I'm here, I've, I've uh, written a book, and I'm here to do the official Scottish launch. Um, sure. So uh, my pen name is Lucy Tertia George, which is actually my real name. 
So, Sorry, I didn't catch that surname. Yeah, so that's, that's my middle name. It's it's means three. Okay. Third, like tertiary system. And the book big. is called Three Women. I'm assuming that's exactly. not a coincidence. Or? No, I mean, the thing is, three is a big, yeah, it's a big number for me. It's my lucky number, obviously. And this came about, um, I... I wrote a short story. I've, I've been writing forever. You know, I write for a living. I write copywriting, ghostwriting, and uh, write songs. And then I wrote a short story and I showed it to someone and they said, that's not bad. Why didn't you turn that into a novel? And when they said, I thought, it's just like a novel. That's just ridiculous. That's like climbing Mount Everest or doing, you know, being a brain surgeon or something, you know. But then, well, a novel is just lots of stories all woven together and a long piece. It's amazing when you start working on it. You can actually, you know, you chip away, you chip away. You're writing 500 words a day, and suddenly you've got 57,000 words. And uh, then the editing process. Yeah, even though. Is it, do you find the editing yeah. process more fun, or, or is that um, a difficult part for you? No, I mean, look, I've, this is my first novel. I'm working yeah. with second, and already I've got that. Oh my god, this isn't going to be as good, or this is whatever you know. So I'm already, in, in, you know, needing uh, a, a good. Uh, relaxant in order to get on with the second one but the first one I didn't I didn't do that much editing which is uh, this is the opposite of what I meant to be telling people I um I think I write very precisely uh this sounds very arrogant but you know I write copy for for a living so people say to me can I have 12 words for a heading or can I have 350 words for someone's biography yes so you probably put very precise so it's probably taken you a lot longer to put 500 words together than a lot of writers who maybe throw together a thousand yeah. and then they do it because um, my writing process when I'm writing lyrics in general is just, I just scribble anything yeah. in the first time. Yeah. 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 And then I, then I have to edit because um, the, the, the beauty of writing fast is that you get everything, you get lots of ideas mm. down, but I mean, a lot of that is, is nonsense. So Even though, I, I, as a friend of mine who's a poet, you know, an important poet at the moment is called Richard Scott. He is uh, published by Faber. And he was saying to me that he writes down and he can write a poem in 20 minutes, right? And, but he can take six months, tweak, 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 yeah. tweak, tweak. And that's, you know, that's a poem. There might only be 150 words in that poem. Is he a spoken word poet? Or a... um, I've seen him, yeah, I've yeah. seen him read out. But he's not like a, he's not like slam or that kind of spoken yeah. word. But um, I think that's a really interesting thing. I, you know, you've got such a short amount of words yeah. in a song or in a poem. So yeah, the, the, I think it's, I think it's, it makes a bit more sense when, you're, when you, you can edit as a, a page poet a lot easier than, because spoken word is very strange because sometimes you, you see a really good line and no one reacts to it and then there's a really rubbish line, a throwaway line yeah. that people just laugh at or something. Yeah. Like, oh, or have you, have you noticed, and it happens with me in songs, yeah. that people will call my song a name and it's not, it's not the name of the song, yeah. it's, a, it's a line from the song. Yeah. And yeah. they're like, do that. Oh, do that one, you know. And yeah. you know, that's, that's not what it's called, well, I think, I think, well, I think that I haven't, I've, I've only seen a couple of your gigs and they were, were very funny. And I would say there's a lot of, an element of the best of spoken word in there where it is, the, the, there's punchlines in yeah, there. Yeah, there, there are definitely punchlines. Yeah. So uh, basically, I like, to, I like to perform with spoken word. I find it quite difficult to perform with bands. I know the very last time I came up here, you were kind enough to let me on and do a couple of songs at McCool's. But I find, you know, everyone's up there for a band, they want to dance, etc. Me getting up and doing some, you know, heavily worded song. I mean, there's, there's, you know, there's often not even a chorus that you could sing along to. You yeah. know what I mean? They're really, they're really, really tightly packed. That's because I, that's how I like to do it, because it's like a little poem, but so, with so, a tune. So just going back to the book, so Three Women, yeah. Yeah. Uh, did, so when you said it became, it was born out of a, of a short story, yeah. did you keep the, the same beginning, middle and end? 
Or uh, that sort of no, did you, did you expand in the no, detail? No, short story was it be, has pretty much turned into chapter one. Okay, yeah. With some changes, but it's turned into chapter one. And then it was so. This is it, it was all kind of commission. I was I was um, going to this spoken word night. It's a it's a cool night in London in Soho called Celine's Salon, and does some very grand. It's actually just bonkers. It's yeah. nuts. I mean, anything could happen there. You know, you've got people who suddenly do magic tricks and you've got others who spoken word. And then some people come some really heart-rending song or whatever. And, but she always has a theme. And the theme for this one was the underworld. And I was married when I was in my 20s. When I was 21, I got married to a Sicilian New Yorker. And, um, and they were, although I wouldn't say, I mean, it wasn't, they're not, you know, they're not the M word. We don't say mafia. Or, yeah. you know, they're not, they're, they're not, they weren't gangsters. But there was a little bit of um, criminality slipping in. And so I decided to write about my grandmother-in-law, Josephina, who was, you know, just hilarious. And for a 21-year-old girl brought up in London, um, came over, and then I just was with this incredible 90-year-old Sicilian woman who had come over through Ellis Island, was rough as you like. I mean, and would say these things and you think, wow, what, what happened to you? You know, what, it was just so amazing, some of the stories. When I, when I was pregnant... I'm, it was one of the last times I met her. I introduced her to her great-grandson, my son. And, um, and she said, oh, are you breastfeeding? And I said, yeah, yeah. And she goes, oh, look, if you, um, if you know, have any problem, what you do is you get a little puppy and you let it lick you and the milk will come out. And I was like, what? <laughs> you know, and you can imagine, I, uh, yeah. you know, that as a new mother, everybody's sterilizing everything. <laughs> You're like, oh, dear, quickly put that in, you know, everything's going to be fridge refrigerated. And she was in me just to go down to you know, a, a street and get somebody, some dog to live. I was like, what? <laughs> Grandma? And then I found out she'd worked as a wet nurse. And, you know, it was, yeah. so there were stories. It started as a story about her. And I mean, then 90 year old is, is, is a very interesting age, mm. especially someone that's still got their wits about them that can tell you stories. It's a, it's a totally different, I mean, we're talking a century. I know, it's, incredible. It's I generations. Had a, I had a pet rabbit, Archie. And when, when I first got it, you know, I was all like, oh, look, I've got a little pet and it's so cute and it's hopping around. And she said, oh, did you get that from the live market? And she just went and picked it up by its ears. I honestly thought she was going to wring its neck. She was, she was thinking that was dinner. You know, so just I realised how, uh, you know, delicate I was. So, so the three women are based yeah. on yourself? Well, they're based on Josephina, my grandmother-in-law, my own mother, who was um, an actress and she was born in Sheffield and then she went down to London, you know, to make her fortune, basically, but not before having quite a few adventures. And uh, and then the third woman is is maybe 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 a little bit. maybe a little bit me and yeah. my sisters will merge together. Yeah. yeah. But I think what happens, and it probably is the same for you if you're writing a poem or a song, Mark. But do you find that you start with something that's really quite personal, yeah. and then suddenly it just morphs into this kind of you know, a bit of a life of its own and you, you let it go. Yeah, you I usually, go. I tend to bottle it a bit when I... Actually, the, the last the last album, Jackal Trades album, I did, uh, Trip Hazard Advisor, because I lost my voice for a month so I couldn't mm. talk and I was like, the one, it was almost like a case now, it felt like I died, like, it was, if I, if I, oh, what if I could never, what no, if I could no, never do anything again? Gutting. yeah, yeah. It was the walking, what would I do? And I was like, well, I'd never, why have I never spoke about, you know, growing up in a, in a scheme Yes. That, that, that capturing that because I'd always kind of stayed away from that it's a bit of a cliche in pop circles to talk about yeah. those things so I tried to kind of make it like a, kind of a bit of a psychedelic twist and it started off I was trying to write about my life but then ended up 
using a character called Jack. It was in the first album, right. and then I kind of sort of had been that, so it's, it's kind of semi-autobiographical. That's what I've been told mine is, autofic. Yeah. Autofiction, it's the new... Autofic, okay. And I think, you know, two things I'd say that, that, I don't know, if anybody who's listening is interested in writing, one is you have to be brave. Open yeah. the open the vein and bleed. You know, I mean, if you are sitting there holding back in any way, it will be a dull story. It's been written before. Yeah. You know, you're going to have to put your edge on it. And sometimes people are not going to like that. I mean, there there have been. I've had some kickback from family members saying they were concerned that I was being a bit revealing about some of the things that happened. Yeah. You know, uh, interestingly, my my ex husband who's read the book whose grandmother and the family are portrayed, liked it. Yeah. I was like, well, I mean, I'm, maybe he hasn't read the whole lot to the end, but let's, <laughs> let's see, because he's, uh, you know... He, you may get a different phone call. I might get, ones. after this comes out, he might actually flick through to page 30 and really see what, whatever it is. <laughs> but, yeah, so you, I think you've got to be, um, you've got to be authentic and you've yeah. got to be, you, you've got to know that you might piss people off and, you know, get it down there because this is important. So, that, so there's a word of warning for them and listen, never piss off a writer. Because you may end up <laughs> being the, 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 the main character. Oh, well, look, I got this from my writing partner. Look at my T-shirt. You can't see this oh, in the right, thing. perfect. Careful, it's... or you'll end up in my novel. I know, and that's... that's and I won't put that next sums it up perfectly. Sorry, I know, that's, that's, a, that's, not, that's a radio joke. That's a TV joke, but that's my uh, yeah. T-shirt. And it's um, and it is so true. Yeah. Oh, man. I mean, I carry around a notebook. So I don't know if you do, but... And I'm, I'm constantly writing. I, I do. I find that's actually a question that I like to ask as well. Is uh, for me, I write very, very fast um, in a notebook, and I feel very comfortable with a notebook. Yeah, yeah. And I've, I've yet to make that. I mean, I've started trying to type it up and edit on a computer, yeah. but I've still not the phone. For example, I do, I do write down lyrics on a phone, but I always feel a bit. I'd rather be the weirdo in a, a pub with a notepad. I agree. Rather than. A guy that looks like he's on Facebook. Yeah, yeah. And also, don't fuck with the process. Yeah. You know, if you find that that's how you do it, oh, God, don't. You know, this is this is magic happening. You yeah. know, the muse is talking to you, whatever. And I know that sounds all kind yeah. of la-di-da, but there is something really special about being, you know... Yeah, I mean, well, it, com- it, it comes from somewhere. I mean, where, mm. where you are uh, tapped in. Actually, I, was, I heard a, a David Lynch quote the other day. Uh, he was talking about, if you want to catch the big fish, you've got to go deep. And, yeah. I, and I thought that that kind of spoke to me quite a lot because when just by if you leave me alone for two days, don't talk yes. to me, I will come back with good ideas and yeah. have have rethought everything. Yeah. But um, when you're just constantly doing stuff, it's quite hard to have. Uh, maybe you are having good ideas, but there's not enough time to process them. No, and I think also you forget them. You know, you'll think, oh, that's really brilliant, and you just will well, not that's remember. That's notepad. Yeah, notepad. Quite too many. I've got too many notes. It's just like boxes and boxes mm, of lyrics. So I'm hoping right. that. I'll be able to go through them at one point. but And you will, or they'll come, they'll just rise, yeah. they'll appear back to you, whatever. And also, it's also part of the process, isn't it? You've got to write down a lot of shit before you get to some yeah. good stuff, you know. I brought up a note because the, the, uh, the new story I'm working on involves a Glaswegian woman. And last night, hanging out with Dawn, um, she kept saying things. I was like, oh, I've got to get that in. I've got to get that in. It's to do with the language, you know. It's to do with, she said... Just some lovely little sayings. I mean, Glaswegians have a beautiful language and also the the slang and um, it's really colourful. It's really poetic, I think. Yeah. You know, she said something about uh, an ex-boyfriend and said, oh, yeah, you know, she tucked him up. Or something. I was like, tucked him up? Like what? You know, it's like tucked in bed or whatever. Right, it was like yeah. she tucked him up at right, the end yeah. of the night, whatever. It was, it was just such a really nice little image. Is um, there any other words that 
confused you the first time you heard Glaswegian say Oh, God, hundreds, hundreds. <laughs> of, as you may know, I did, in, I did go out with a Glaswegian and um, there, were, there were many times. I mean, I think one of the funniest is uh, when I was in a, in a restaurant and we were having a chat and the Glaswegian, you know, I mean, I, again, this is, sorry if this is uh, grouping everybody together as one, right? But you can do equally for Londoners if yeah. you like, right? And I'll, I'll, I'll suffer it. But, you know, you're lively people. You talk animate in an animated style, especially this chap, right? And say so we were chatting, um, and then he goes off to go to the little girls outside for a fag or something, right? And the waiter came over to me and he said, "Is everything all right?" I, I think they think well, he thought we were having a row. Yeah, you know, he was literally like coming in to sort of, "Oh shit, are you okay? You yeah. know, do you want to get to a cab home while this crazy man is out?" I was like, "No, no, we're actually, you know, we were having kind of a nice evening. Yeah. It, was a, it was a, you know." Romantic night out. So I think that sort of thing, the level of, it was, it was not so much um, me not getting it. Yeah. It was more like just the, the, the level of intensity, you know. Yeah, I think, I think people, especially when you go abroad and there's, there's Scottish people uh, drinking and talking to each other, yeah. it does maybe look like an argument. <laughs> oh, yeah, I had, I had this at a party a couple of weeks, like a month ago, let's say, Glaswegian guy. And as soon as you, you know, you recognise the accent. So I just go over, chat, chat, chat. And we started talking. And it's all sorts of swearing and whatever, right? And people, you know, and this, this was kind of near Cambridge, whatever. And there were people that were like backing off and thinking, oh, is everything all right there? You know, whatever, should, I, should we butt in and everything? And um, he was literally saying, you know, tea or coffee. It was, it was good. But I, but I like all that, you see, because I'm kind of, as you might have gathered, so, I'm a bit of a dramatic person. So where is it? Whereabouts in London is it that you... Whereabouts? It's a big place. It's a big place, yeah. I heard that, I heard that, it's, I, I heard that it's bigger than... I heard that it's bigger than Glasgow. It is. Yeah. It is one of the biggest cities in the world, they yeah. say. Right. And it is... Um, and it's tribal, yeah. you know? And I live in the West End. I live in Baker Street. So I'm saying now, really, this Glasgow embassy thing, it's going to come back to bite me. But, um, and really, most of the uh, performance I do as Lucy Lyrical is in Soho. Yeah. So Soho, and hey, when so- you're down, you've got to come to some of these things. I've got about, I mean, it depends what the time this goes out, if I still have them, but I've got about four things a month I do. Spoken oh, cool. word. Um, I-, I would love to. I mean, the, I, I try and get to London maybe once every year or two. The last time it was for the Steve Mason gig, is the Barbarican, but... The Barbarican Theatre, I'm probably saying. Barbican. Barbican. Oh, yeah, yeah, really, okay, that's yeah. cool. That's so he, nice did, he, did a, he did a show with a, with a full band behind wow. him, sort of orchestra behind him, and it was, yeah. it was amazing. I have such a great time in London. I'm so confused when I go there. I'm just, there's just so much going on. Uh, we, we did, my band did play a wee tour of London once, but it was, it was years ago we got very drunk and... Uh, we weren't very good. Easily but done. We thought Easily we thought done. we'd made it, and I think it happens a lot to Scottish bands when they they get a gig in London. It's like we've made it. We're away to London. But well, I don't, yeah, maybe it's, it's just where where you are not. I mean, you know, when I started performing with um, Maggie Swanwino, who I think you you remember Maggie, yes, don't you? Yes, Maggie. And um, you know, so we did quite a lot of performing in London, and then we felt we made it when we came yeah. up to Glasgow. Yeah. That was like because you know Glasgow is a cultural capital of Europe yeah. you know and if you can and also it's got this reputation of the audiences being really um you know they're ex- they, they've got high standards right yeah. and you know there's so many comics for example that will talk about you know dying in yeah. Glasgow <laughs> and, and just getting out you know having to have two yeah. security guards literally hustle them out the back because they yeah. didn't know what's going to happen I found you know just such brilliant warmth and you know, people laugh out loud 
yeah. uh, heartily, and it feels great. Yeah, I, I mean, it's. I think it's. It's not. I, 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 at first, I thought, are we just saying this because we are in Glasgow, and then when you go to other cities, sometimes people don't even clap no. and stuff. Even people that are enjoying a gig, yeah, they're not even clapping at the end it's, of it. It's it's bizarre. But a friend who does. Um, uh, I mean, I hope he wouldn't mind. No, he's a sort of cover band. Yeah, I don't yeah. think it's, it's. I don't think he would mind if I say that. But he's put together quite an elaborate show. Does a gig and he's he's in Guildford. He said there's it's not many people there, maybe ten, and they're all facing in the wrong direction. They're all literally sitting up at the bar and just looking at the bar while the stage. He's going on the stage in the next, you know, in the same room. So he thinks this is the worst gig ever. So he cuts the whole gig short. You know, fuck it. He does twenty minutes instead of forty-five, whatever. Gets off, goes, you know, he's packing up his case, and the guys start coming over. That was great. That was amazing. Can we have more? It's like, you didn't even look at me. It's like, <laughs> well, that, and that, that brings us nice up to worst gigs ever. Oh, God, yeah. No, I have. I mean, the worst gigs, you learn the most, right? You learn the most. And I know that sounds all philosophical, but my God, you do. Oh, yeah. And I think I, I've learned about don't stick to your set list. That's my tip to anybody, yeah. right? You get in there, you think you've got this beautiful set list, and then it all starts going horribly wrong because you're not playing the right songs for that audience. The worst gig I've ever had with Maggie, we went into, uh, I don't even know if I'm allowed to say the place, is that bad or good? I'm not sure. It was the worst gig because of us, not because of them. Um, We went in, it was crowded. We followed a really noisy um, rock band. We get up, ukulele and bazooki, okay? Unusual looking little act. And within the first song, with was half the people left in the room. By the second song, it was empty. By the third song, the barman actually turned on the TV, right? And we, I don't think we did a fourth, right? We'd finished, we packed up, we went outside, and what was really particularly humiliating was everyone was still there. They were just all outside smoking. <laughs> we literally cleared the room, and Maggie was livid. I mean, she blamed everybody. She was like, the promoter shouldn't have put us on. I'm like, Maggie, you know, oh, we shouldn't, it was wrong time, it was this, it was whatever. The sound wasn't, no, they were, we cleared that room, yeah. you know what I mean? And I, you just have to suck it up and say sorry. Would you say that it was uh... Were you having a, a bad day or was it just the wrong crowd for what it is you do? No, it was, it was naive. Like now, one, I know that I am never going to play after a band. So, for example, when you asked me to play, when you were, uh, yeah. or it was the Twistettes, yeah? It was the Twistettes. And yeah. Um, I was like, yeah, absolutely. I'm really happy to do it, but I want to go on first. Yeah. There's no way I'm going on after anybody who's playing a drum. Yeah, yeah it's the same. Um, I feel the same way about doing spoken words as well. Or in the middle of the night, yeah, exactly. Dropped uh, in the yeah. middle of the gig, and I've, 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 I've failed at that a few times. If, you, if you're the first person on, and you can start introducing, so mm. what I maybe do is maybe do a few poems at the start, and then host it by introducing the next one. Yeah. But when it gets rowdy, nobody's wanting to hear a poem, no. and, and and when everyone starts talking, even the people that do want to hear it won't get the the effect of it because spoken words, the magic of that's in the pause, yeah, and the, the silence and the yeah. and the laughs and the and, and if you if you've got a busy crowd that just doesn't work and the same kind of goes for us. also I think it just brings down it can bring down you know it's one thing if people aren't listening to you I've, I've toughened up do you yeah. know what I mean I, I think what most people don't realise if you're in an audience is that the band can see you 
Yeah. yeah, I mean, this is, you know, these places, then we're, we're not at Wembley, right? Yeah. We're not at the O2. Uh, there's no shining bright lights in our eyes. We look down and you can literally see someone saying, this is shit, shall we leave, right? Yeah. So that's a bit, you know, you've got to toughen up to all that. So I don't mind people talking through my act. I really don't. But what I don't want to do is have a really nice vibe in a room and then suddenly I'm the one that's responsible for just bringing it all right down, yeah. you know? So that's... Well, that's, that, that's a lot of message to anyone that's listening as well. If, if you ever see me or Lucy in the crowd, and you're in the crowd too, don't come and don't come and talk to us when we're watching a band at the, at the front. That's people do it all the time. They just start yeah. talking to you, and, and it's my friends on stage, and they're looking over as if I'm talking, and I'm yeah, like, yeah, and no, I'm that's struggling. So right. It's not me. It's yeah, not me. Yeah, I'm that's so right. And uh, I mean, I think that there's depends on the venue you're at. There becomes a point, especially if it's a, if it's a band with drums and electric guitars and stuff. If you're a few rows back, then there's no harm done. Yeah, yeah. But if you're too near the front, uh, especially if it's an acoustic act or a or a or a comedian or a or a, a poet, mm. if someone starts talking to me and I'm near the front, then it kind of gives everyone a green light to talk. Agreed. Especially yeah. if you're the promoter. I'm, I'm talking about yeah. in realms of me being the promoter. Yeah, no, absolutely. So it's They're like people are like, yeah. oh, that is so, it's socially acceptable to talk all of a sudden through that act. Yeah, yeah. No, no, I agree. Have you, have you ever done comedy, actually? Have you ever done stand-up? I've done, I've done stand-up in, uh, in poetry gigs sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. So sometimes I'll be on a poetry gig and it's just getting so depressing and too, too <laughs> poetry. Too poetry. What's the... The tense I'm looking for too po- too po- too much poetry. It's the it's get, it's getting very heartbreaking and mm. it's getting a bit samey. Yeah, and I just I just go on and I'm like I don't want to listen to any more poetry, so I'm just going to make a fool of myself and give everyone a laugh. Well, yeah, and, yeah. and I really I really enjoy it. I love the buzz of of kind of just coming in. And deep's quite good for that because and not that they've got samey poets, they've got really good poets. But there's quite a lot of poets on, and sometimes when I feel I, I can't really compete with this level of poetry, so I'm just going to go in with a mad story yeah, from yeah. a mad angle, and sometimes I'll not even do a poem. I'll just be talking about a poem that never really yeah. occurs, and I love it. Well, I've just never had the bottle yeah, to do yeah. it, to actually go up on a, you know, the stand or something. Mm. I've thought about it, but I've never really... Uh, and that's different, because I think you're, you, you know, there's a... there. You know, to do the stand-up, you've got to have your little act, and it's yeah. got to be precisely that exactly. time because they'll just t- they'll turn off your mic. Yeah. But I do think you're very good at emceeing with a comedy spin yeah. because I remember a joke that you gave, and I still t- say this to people because you were talking about um, you were talking about Jeremy Clarkson, and you said Jeremy Clarkson, he's like Nigel Farage on wheels, and it was just. <laughs> Beautiful. Do you remember, remember that? that? I don't remember you that. You said that Eden Festival. My God, that's like two years ago. I yeah. remember one of your jokes. That's good. Um, I wish yeah. I'd remembered that. That's probably yeah, better. Well, I should have pinched it. Yeah. But it was very good. And I think that's 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 quite a skill. <laughs> and that's to do with confidence, isn't it? Yeah. You know. Yeah. Well, I, I, yeah. Once when you're when you're in when you when you've got that confidence up, then it feels like there's magic in there, and anything can yeah. happen. And then, then well, that's why I don't mind heckling. I don't know about you, but I don't mind. Um, if you're speaking and someone says anything, what you don't want... Is, I mean, OK, if there's a real bastard who's literally just trying yeah. to ruin the act, that's a pain in the ass, right? But if, you, if someone actually just throws something out, it's usually quite helpful because you can then interact and you can usually... Because people are just so amazed if you can say anything back to them. Even if you're literally like, fuck off, shut your face, people will laugh at that, right? Yeah. But actually, if you then say something funny, yeah, I mean, I think, I think especially if the gig's going, not going great and someone heckles you, what, what it tends to do is that the crowd is embarrassed by the heckler. Yeah. So all of a sudden, it's 
the whole audience against a settler and you've got the microphone so you don't even need to be particularly funny your no. put downs don't need to be good you just need to say it with a bit of confidence yeah. be a bit sharp with them yeah. but polite with a smile with and a smile. sharp and uh, I think the whole crowd just cheers and they're yeah. embarrassed and they should shut up at yeah. that point and, and I think I mean, it does it can really yeah, get the audience the really warm they just go into your song and everyone wants because yeah. I think everyone in the crowd even if they're not particularly enjoying you they want to also differentiate themselves from the heckle on the crowd and say mm. well, we're not that guy we're, not that we're going to give yeah. you a chance and they give you even more yeah because they're like oh you, you dealt with that really well okay what's the best heckle best slash worst heckle um, I don't I, I've had a, I've had a few I've had a few I've had someone yell you can't sing that yeah. was nice and Maggie had a really good one she had someone yell out play something you know <laughs> <laughs> That is good. We should really good. Yeah, that is good. Um, How do you respond to that? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I'm just going to laugh right at it, but I love that I'll one. play your mother's phone number. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like it's like, Jesus. Yeah, I, I can't actually remember particularly the, any any specific... Also, uh, you're probably in quite big venues, so you probably wouldn't hear it. Well, I don't, you know, it's I don't only when you're playing with someone. If you're playing to 30 people no, no, in, I mean, a, in a pub, well, you can hear what people say. I, 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 I mean, these days, I play quite a... A, a broad spectrum of audiences, so yeah. there'll be the, the you know the you know I'll, I'll still be doing spoken word gigs sometimes to twenty people, and then well the, the slam thing I mean that was that was a poetry fail that wasn't they weren't there for me I just happened to be there and I think that was about two hundred people or something oh, I'm good. not sure and uh, gy- gyros are kind of now at the stage in Glasgow but it's maybe we'll play between. 200 and well, with the barras was 2000. Yeah, yeah, geez. But, I was there at the barras, yeah. I thought it was fabulous that game. But yeah, I mean, also, you crowd surfed. Yeah, that was my first ever. And was it? Surfed, yeah. And you got back alive. Yeah, there's, a, also, there's, a, there's a video yeah. of it. Of, um, it there's, there's one of the angles you see, it's quite a, a, a cautious. Woo! <laughs> there's an angle where you just like, right, okay, I'm just making sure before I this crowd could be, Yeah, this could be, this is going horribly wrong. I was impressed with that. I thought yeah. you did a really good job. I also was impressed with Jamie and Shumi, yeah. who. Jamie jumped down off the stage and gave Kathy Malloy a big smack on the lips, yeah. right? Which I love. Now, I appreciate in the modern world, you know, um, this probably now is, is considered sexual harassment. But I tell you, me and, um, me, and, um, me and Kathy absolutely loved that. We thought that was very funny. It was just so unexpected. We were right at the front. Yeah, it was, it was, it was a great night, the, mm. the Barras one. But obviously, they don't happen every... Every every week. <laughs> so, no, I so, think so, so I'm still quite used to playing the small venues and interacting with the crowd. But but I don't I, don't, I think the smaller the crowd, you're less likely to get heckled. I think yes. I, got, I think I got heckled yeah. at um, where was where were we? Maybe Wickerman. I got heckled at Wickerman, and there is video footage of that whole gig. So I'll need to, I'll look that up. Maybe we can mm. ha- maybe we can add that at the end of the show where I could. Yeah, the heckle corner. The heckle <laughs> corner. Because I bet, I mean, Jake would definitely have. You ask him about that. Yeah. He's had stuff where they've jumped down on soft stage because of people heckling and stuff. I mean, it's yeah. interesting. Yeah, yeah. So, so and that's yeah. actually a, a question as well I'd like to ask is, what, is there, um, was there any point that you decided that you wanted to is it become a writer? Or like, when, when did you start writing your song? What came first? Was it poems, then songs? Yeah, no, I've been writing since I was probably about 12, uh, yeah. writing, you know, poems. And so I wrote all those teenage heartbreak yeah. poems which I'm glad to say have all been lost because they're terrible. Can you remember any of your first lyrics? What's um, your earliest lyric you can remember? Yeah, I used to write little joke songs for people's birthday parties. All right, yeah. yeah. And it was almost because I was not very good at playing so I could, I'd learn how to play something whatever yeah. that is, yeah, a song. I learned how to play Walking on Sunshine or um, you know, whatever it was, right? And then 
because those were the only chords I know. I just changed the words yeah. and then put my own words into it. And then, in fact, that's what turned into the act. Lucy yeah. Lyrical is basically, you know, taking a, a song and, um, and just putting your own lyrics in it. And often you'll get, like, I got asked to write a song. I'm going to do, um, when this comes out, I've already done it. Uh, it's at a, a nightclub in, in London and they want the theme nightclub. So I've rewritten um, uh, Billy Joel's song, Uptown Girl, but Coat Check Girl. And it's, and I, you know, it just fits so perfectly. Yes. So it's that sort of thing. And I've been doing that since I was a teenager. Mm. And, uh, but, and then I started writing for a living as a copywriter, as a PR agent. And uh, then I just, I think... It was more to do with confidence that I always was writing, but I never called myself a writer or I never showed enough people my work. And I think for a lot of people, that, that's the case. Yeah. But writing is a craft. So I'm really glad that I didn't show those terrible early poems to someone yeah. or the short stories where I was basically just Someone trying to rip off Raymond Carver. by that reaction. Yeah, and they were rubbish. I mean, yeah. and they should have, you know, you, you don't, you know, a carpenter does not show you the first chair he made. Yeah. or the first bit of sawing he did. Because I think people are really keen to share. I mean, this is going to sound very discouraging. I don't mean it to be. But it's just, you know, share your best work. Yeah. Um, make it excellent. You know, be, be, be really strict with yourself and find a confidant. I mean, I've got um, a couple of writing pals, but one in particular, Polly, who I show everything to her before I show it to anyone else. I call it Interpol. Because it has to go through Polly before anyone can see it. And it's basically, it's just a litmus test. Is this shite? Because yeah. you know how, I don't know, do you laugh at your own jokes? When I'm writing, I laugh at my own jokes. Yeah, sometimes, sometimes. I mean, you sometimes know that it, you, occasionally you, you get a moment where you think, oh, that's funny. Or, yeah. or that's good. That's good. Or that's not, just the way that two words go together, you go, oh, that's good. Yeah. I mean, that doesn't happen that often, no. <laughs> no, bless. There's a lot of, a lot of, a lot of self-criticism, but I try not, I just, like I said, my, my writing process is just write everything, just attack the page. Yeah. And then you said, I think before we went live, um, you said, that, so you've got, as a copywriter, you've got quite a precise style. Yes, so, yes. So basically, I mean, I think if, if um, like I was saying, you know, writing is a craft, and if you have to write on demand, so someone says, okay, I need 12 words for an ad headline, or I need 350 words and it's online, so it needs to have this many keywords and meta tagging and whatever. So you have to write incredibly precisely and you've got to get a point across, but with flair. And also as a ghostwriter, you have to write to other people's tone, tone of voice. So you sort of get, it's a bit like being, I suppose, like a session musician or something. You know, you've got to get good at playing a lot of, lot of stuff, yeah. right? So by the time I came to writing mine, I didn't write loads and loads and loads and loads and loads and then edit it all down. Um, I wrote very precisely. And in fact, the first chapter is very close to the first short story I wrote that the whole book's based on. Yeah. Uh, so it was... And, so know, go back to that number, the number three. Yes, the number so three. So the three is... You know, it's interesting that every every album that I've released is, has the magic number three. So really? it's like, social not working, bust up apocalypse, put utopia, taxi driver, rumour, need the characters and trip hazard advisor. Every release oh. has three words. So I think it's, I need to keep it up. I know. I think that's good. I think that sounds very good. I mean, we we'll see if three comes into my next one. I'm not sure, yeah. but I think it's I think it's a it's a great number. Yeah. yeah. 
Or it could be, things or, or, come in or, threes, right? Yeah, or, or, or the, maybe two because it's your second book. I know, my sister three. says that. She says I should do two women two and then one woman. <laughs> I said, like, well, where do I go from there? Then start looking at men. No women. No women. <laughs> just a world of... I know. Uh, um, like, the, the patriarchy overload, but it's just it men. Oh, God. Roman, imagine that world. Just, just men walking about. Oh, the fun of it. Well, well in fact, the, 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 you know, some of... Not, some of the criticism I have of the, the, the book is that the male characters are not that sympathetic. Yeah. Uh, you know, read it. Let me know what you think. This yeah. is, I'll, I'll leave you a copy. Oh, that'd be great. Um, yeah. And it wasn't, it wasn't sort of purposely done. It's just, it's, it's very much focusing on the women and what they deal with. And sometimes the well, things I, they I, deal there's, with. There's with I mean, the majority of books written by men that you can actually tell, I've seen so, an article about it before and it's like just the way that, the, the, the men you can tell when a character's written by a man or a woman when based on because it's not there's no the women characters tend to lack depth and it's a male writer and stuff. right and I wonder if that was it I wonder if I sort of stayed away from writing about men because I just sort of felt a bit of that but yeah. like you know and maybe maybe my next writing I'll try and I'll try bit. and explore that a bit you know, yeah dig into it I mean I've got two sons you know yeah. I've got a brother uh, you know uh, there's there's I've got men in my life I should be able to you know. But, yeah, but I mean, it's, it's, at the end of the day, this is a story about these three women. So mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's good that you're focusing all the attention on these characters. And is there any, um, is there any writers that inspired you, like writing style for, for novelists? Yeah, interestingly, like? I actually, um, I really like James Kelman. I think he's a Glaswegian writer and I think he is fascinating. I don't, I, you know when people say about inspiring and then everyone will pick up this book and say, it's nothing like him. Yeah. But I think perhaps... Well, that's not, um, what, it, that, to that's me, that's not, not it. what it's about. It's more to do with it's playful. It's tapping right into uh, this sort of colloquial language. Um, it's talking about minutiae of someone's life, which really reveals character. I mean, this sounds—I sound so pompous now. Uh, I really, really do. Not don't off. This is this is your. Well, no, this is what I'm saying. He does. <laughs> But whether whether I do that, but I, I don't know if I do that. Yeah. I would I would hope. I mean, I, I aspire to do that. Yeah. He does that a lot, and I think I love writers who talk about uh, very specific things about how someone might be sitting in their flat and what they're doing and how they're turning on their, their electric bar fire. You know what I mean? Yeah. Or just absolutely, bam, you're in the room. Yeah. You know. And so I'm hoping that I'd say I'm inspired by that. Yeah. I don't want to. So so with this, would you say that the with the three women is there, is, there, is the door open for a sequel or well it's interesting you say that because some people have say it, it it needs a sequel and it's certainly you know um we'll see we'll see i'm, I'm writing on something completely different at this point um i, th- I think that's and, a good uh, idea to kind of go take it take it away and yeah, not think about it for a while yeah. and then come back to it and have you have you have you now that you've finished the book, how long ago did you finish the book? Obviously, I just... finished it. I did it quite quickly. I wrote it and published it in a year. Yeah. So I wrote it in probably about nine months. And then I was lucky enough to have it published by Starhaven Press. Um, they, the editor, uh, the publisher, um, I was showing him as it was going, basically. So he saw it, you know, he saw a third of it and then another third of it and et cetera. So he was very, very... Um, encouraging but also incredibly helpful with the structure because this is the big thing okay? this is the difference with writing 25 songs or how many songs would you need to write to make fifty-seven thousand words a shed load of songs yeah. right and to writing a novel is structure is you know through line is your midpoint is all that sort of stuff and that's it really helps if you if you can work with someone a bit experienced and uh, do, you, do you already feel what you've 
Look, now that it's once it's actually went out to print, there's a things that you think that you wish you could change now. Or... Oh yeah, there are mistakes here. Yes. <laughs> there are mistakes here, and I will say quite openly that I have had people come up to me and tell me the mistakes, and I want to be like, uh, "What can I do about it now?" Yeah, yeah it's, it's out there. I can't, I can't fix it. It's gone. Yeah. But, but that's it's just like playing the bad gig or making the. You just, just you learn from that. Yeah. So your next book won't have that mistake. They won't have that mistake. They'll no. have a different one. It'll have a different mistake. Exactly. I was actually talking to a friend yesterday who I booked her for a festival a couple of years ago, and we got we spelled her name wrong. <gasps> we got oh. she's got a, she had a, um, an unusual spelling of Melissa, and I got it wrong. Oh, so this okay. year I booked her for another festival, and I was like, I'm, I won't okay, make right. a mistake twice. No, 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 no of course, yeah. of course. You're not, and look, you're not it's, to make this it is twice. so right. I'm a friend of mine same. Jazz, uh, jazz trombonist, right? Playing Ronnie Scott's the first time. Really big. If any, if any jazz listeners are out there, you know, big important London jazz place, and they spelled his name wrong on the poster. It was oh. like, you know, I mean, ho- I bet he's a great trombonist. He'll play there again. But I was like, oh man, the first time you play Ronnie Scott's and they spell your name wrong, that's painful. Is, is it, what, so, what is the, the music scene like in London these days? Anyway, is there anyone? Yeah. What's, what's happening well, down it's there? Well, it's interesting. I mean, I, I would be. A terrible person to ask that because yeah. I go and see my friends. Yeah, I'm. I'm rubbish. Well, who's a friend? Shout out your friends. So, who should be yeah, checking yeah, out? absolutely. So who should you be checking out in London? Well, I I love. Um, there's a guy, so George Simmons. Yeah, who's the guy I mentioned? You, they spelt his name wrong. It's got a D in it. He plays. Um, he's a sort of jazz rock and roll. He's got a variety of residencies, but I'd say always look out for him. He's got his band's called the Squintet. Um, I think they're they're just a blast. And it's impossible not to tap your feet, that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think, but I should have, I should have planned a bit better. Yeah. I suppose most of what I do is, I'd say, if you're going to come down to London, you know, head in, head into town, head into um, to Soho, and follow your ears. Yeah. Because one of the things that people will talk about with Soho is, oh, it's dead, it's gentrified, etc. Okay, you know, and that's. I'm sure for, coming, know, for someone coming from Glasgow, though, we don't know that. We wouldn't notice the gentrification, so yeah, it's yeah. still going to be a totally yeah. different experience for us. Well, I think you'll probably find that. Yeah, you're going to find, you know, Starbucks, and you're going to find things that just have, you know, a soulless, etc. Yeah. But what's really sweet is, that, you know, there are, when I say underground clubs, there are literally, things are going to basements now because there's the problems with noise. And so now what you need to do is just go, listen out, you know, feel the vibrations coming from underground. Yeah. Jerry's Jerry's club is on Dean Street in a basement. You know, go in there and you'll find um, you know the Phoenix Arts Centre's in a basement, um, and you'll you'll find some brilliant things. So going. you say you do about four things a month. Is that is yeah. that a regular nights that you can yes. shout out? So what, what what are they? Yeah. So um, basically, there's uh, Celine's Salon, which is a very eclectic mix of performers. Um, ranging from poets and musicians, spoken word, magicians, um, uh, sort of raconteurs, um, uh, run by the amazing scene, his pish is just a riot and a real Soho it girl. Um, there's also Soho Poetry Night, which is at the Library Club. And um, that's a, a wonderful opportunity to get your word out there. They love slam, actually. So you should go down there and oh, do that. Yeah. And then there's another a place called Speakeasies, Mortimer House. Um, and then there's, uh, depending on which way you want to go, there's a, there's a one called In Your Ear. Uh, that's, that's um, but they don't like rhyme. The, oh, they, it's one of those ones. Yeah. So what do you think about that? I, I can't go because all of my stuff rhymes. Well, I did, I did, a, I did a, um, a joke about that in part of my spoken word set, um, but it doesn't have to rhyme, which I think, I find it quite hard to write and not rhyme. Me too. So I, 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 did, I, did, I did do it one 
uh, the, the last song in the Who Took the Topia Escape Routine, I deliberately tried to write something that didn't rhyme yeah. or have alliteration or yeah. anything and just tried to do it. It's, it's quite difficult, but it should be really easy, but it, it feels like no way you can hide behind some sort of no. wordplay. And if you're well, not... I think also the great thing about wordplay is it's, it, you just get that quick punch, that punch, that yeah. punch, don't you? Yeah. you? You know, that people are just waiting for it. It drops. It's lovely. I like, I like a rhyme. Yeah, I do too. But uh, so the, in your ear is like they're, they're against rhyme. They're against rhyme. <laughs> anti-rhyme poets. Yeah, it's an anti-rhyme poetry night. You get and, thrown out if you rhyme. Uh, also, just going to ask, have you got... Um, we've just got, I've just got a couple of questions that I would like to... That I've actually written down. So mm-hmm. Go for it. Um, so... And I'll, I'll sign the book I'm going to leave for you. Oh, that'd be great. Yeah. Thank you. Well, you're an inspiration, Mark, like I said. Oh, I'm, I'm not remember that joke you told. I mean, God, I'm not a fan, aren't yeah, I? Yeah, well, that's a good joke. I'm glad you told me that. It is a good joke, yeah. Reuse, babe. Recycle. I think I'm going to be freestyled, that one. But yeah, Jeremy <laughs> Clarkson is like Nigel Farage on wheels. I remember saying wheels funny. Wheels. <laughs> wheels. <laughs> yeah. You remember it now, right? Yeah, I remember Eden it now, Festival. Yeah. Eden Festival. That's where I got nodules on my throat. Yeah. Well, oh, yeah, man, that. that was a festival like that. Yeah. I just, that was... Well, I had a vocal polyp, so I had to have an operation. It no, was... like, it's, 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 yes, the whole tone, I yeah. recognise. Oh, yeah. Christ, it's terrifying, that sort um, of stuff. And, okay, so I've got some questions that I'd put in. Yeah. Like, what, what I was trying to do is, obviously, we're having a free-flowing conversation, but the idea is to, I'm going to ask a few similar questions so that we can kind of compile some of, the, some of these answers. Mm. So, um, you... Have you ever had a bad review and how do you deal with criticism? Ah, uh, yes. Okay, well, um, I suppose, have I had a bad review? On The hardest thing is not getting reviewed, okay? So uh, I know that um, someone's saying that you're rubbish, okay, especially when you put a lot of work into it, whether it's a, something, a gig you've done or a book you've written or anything you're doing, it seems to be hard to take. There's nothing worse than having nothing, no, no feedback. Right. So I'd say that's my first advice is that if you get negative feedback, just recognize that, you know, you're getting it. It means you're out there and you're doing something. You're moving ahead in that strange way. And fuck them if they can't take a joke, you know, because I've had some people who really were quite offended by some of the songs I've done, you know, walking out and and making complaints about me afterwards, that kind of thing. And um, I got a kick out of that, actually. Yeah. I mean, I like that. Yeah. Well, that's what I'm talking about earlier on. It's the, you'd rather have a bad gig than a, a mediocre, lukewarm response. So you might as well... Have, obviously, we all want to have a good gig where everybody cheers and yeah. enjoys it. But, but this is art. So, but there's something, no something quite good about it. People, people do just walking away from, walking out of your gig. Walking out of your gig, exactly. That's, that's the biggest criticism you're going to get. Or um, a reviewer being so angry about your set that they have to publish a, a negative review. So you've, you've obviously affected them in some way. Because normally, <laughs> normally I, would, if, if I don't like something, I just wouldn't mention it. No, no, absolutely. Okay, so, uh, yeah, th- thank you very much, Lucy, for being the first of our guest. I'm on chuffed, this I'm Still chuffed. to be named podcast that will it'll have a name by the time it goes out. Uh, so, yeah, is there any, any final thoughts? So yep. the book's called Three Women. Yep, and my name's Lucy Tertia-George, um, and you can get it on Waterston and all good independent bookshops and also if in doubt find me on facebook and i'll send you a copy um that'd be great thanks okay Mark. and what about lucy lyrical stuff, stuff and lucy on? lyrical i mean who knows lucy lyrical's around and about still doing her little songs so listen to how i talk about myself in the third person um yeah so there's that magic one that magic number three again exactly so yeah look out look look out for me brilliant okay well good luck with the the launch tonight and uh, thanks for being a guest and see you later 
Oh, oh, seen, oh, my nephew's doing great. Oh, he's uh, he's doing great. Lovely. He's uh, I think he's about seven years old now. Yeah, lovely. He came up to me uh, the other day. He wants to be a guitarist. He wants to be a rock star. <laughs> and he came up to me the other day and uh, showed me a picture of um, him playing the guitar. And uh, and I just said, that shape, that is a pure shape picture of you drawing a guitar. If you're going to take yourself seriously, if you want to actually take yourself seriously as a musician, you need to sort out your actual artwork. Image is everything nowadays. So I told them to go to Digital Art for Artists by Becky Wallace, which is on the Facebook. Contact Becky Wallace, are going to Digital Art for Artists. He'll draw you, she'll draw you a good picture of fucking, with a guitar, a real picture of you with a guitar. Maybe even, I'll use a photograph and make it look nice. But do something better than that. That is a shite picture. You're not going to go anywhere as a rock star with that kind of artwork. Digital art for artists. Becky Walls is what I told him. Okay, hey, can I help you? Yes, I am Frank. I'm a foodie. Big fan. I'm a big fan of Golden Wonder. You're what? You're who? Eh? I'm Frank. I'm a foodie. I'm a foodie. I like, I like Golden Wonder. I'm a fan. I I am a fan of Golden Wonder. You're a fan of Golden Wonder. Yes. Okay. And I was just so there's um salt and vinegar crisps. Ah, uh, hold on, hold on. You got the wrong. Uh, you got the wrong phone number. This is a takeaway. Fast food. You want the Golden Wonder crisps, don't you? Oh yes, I do. The wrong number. Oh sorry. Okay. All right. Sorry. Okay, sorry no, about bye, that. Bye. All right. See ya. Bye. I've been a fan of Golden Wonder Chris for a very long time. I would like to talk to them, but it seems like they wouldn't like to talk to me. The salt vinegar has been the greatest salt vinegar I have ever experienced. But recently, I've found that every time you go to the shop, it's potluck. Either it's very salt vinegary or you get fuck all. So I will be investigating this further. I've been in Goldmunder side since the crisp wars of the 90s when walkers changed the colour from blue to green and it was a big deal in Glasgow. The green, the blue, the crisp wars. This is to be continued. And thank you very much to Lucy George for taking the time to chat with us. Check out her book, Three Women, which is out now at all good bookstores and on all the usual online places. And I'm going to leave you with our song of the week, which is a band from Manchester called The Moods. There's about 10 of them. So a 20-legged, dancey, ravey, punky, hip-hop, urban... Don't know. Don't really know how to describe them, but they're brilliant. First came across them when we were visiting Salford about maybe five years ago or something like that. And we've played down Manchester a couple of times with them and we've brought them up to Glasgow a few times. And they smashed it at Dunderabbo, absolutely smashed it. 
I rate them very, very highly. I think they're probably the best live thing to come out of England in a long, long time. And they are actually playing with us at the Barrowlands on September the 21st as part of Barris Fest on the Saturday night. So get your tickets now for that. And if you've not, also in the bill, Steve Mason, Mungo's Hi-Fi, Gyro Babies, John McMustard as well. And that's just the Saturday. Friday night's got a massive lineup as well. So go and get your tickets for Barris Fest. Check them out, the moods. And if you want to support the podcast, it's patreon.com forward slash you call that radio. We are available on all the usual podcast platforms, so Spotify's, iTunes, all that kind of stuff. Feel free to share it, spread the word, and yeah, just interact with our social media stuff and help us get bigger and reach more people. And we've got a whole bunch of great shows lined up for you. Thank you for listening all the way to the end of the show, and we'll be back very, very soon. Extra shout-outs to Morfamish, who is always doing the good work on the mastering and making it all sound crisp and fresh. So thank you, Hamish. And enjoy the rest of your evening, your afternoon, or your morning, or whatever time it is for you guys. And this is, you call that radio song of the week, it's The Moods. You are about to witness the very exciting story of a city and its people. Live free or die by the rules Everybody's being taken for a fool The government we trust has us out to dry The system is corrupt, can't disguise a lie Equality is the mission that we choose I'm like Panama, Panama, yeah, they're robbing you, robbing you They're giving you first aid while I'm stopping you, stopping you They're telling us that benefits the cause of the deficit Handing us a hand-me-down that was never gonna fit Say we're in it together, but what's more? They seek asylum offshore while the money's offshore. This thing's so raw, never been so sure that a man will sell the seashells off the seashore. Whilst getting away with untold tax, working to the bone, cracking up your back, the rolling out your soul, punching holes till you crack, pushing up the nose, wanna see the road stack. Profits over people is ever so lethal. Why can't a fellow man be seen as an equal? One man's dome is another man's steeple. Let's try trust, I can't be dealing with the sea. Live free or die by the rules Everybody's being taken for a fool The government we trust has us out to dry The system is corrupt, can't disguise the lies Equality is a mission that we choose We sing for freedom, for this profit over life We devise on the reason why those that pocket on the snide We'll not let it slide, we won't feed into these lies We will speak for the people who lost our reason to fight When we are treated as equal, then maybe we could ignite A spark of justice that lights a flame, the belief in the right When you stop feeding the waters, betrayed with means and just cause Really that's the only way to justify what you brought Bought weapons and sold them, then they explode in New York The worst terrorism is potent and brings in loads of support Hold the fort till the enemy aborts Watch your back, they could be living next door I'ma give them that raw truth, now isn't that sore Make a living off drug weapons and internet porn Feed addictions of people and blame the debt on the poor Public outrage your benefits, but who is breaking the law? Whoa. Live free or die by the rules Everybody's being taken for a fool The government we trust takes us out to dry The system is corrupt, can't disguise the lies Equality is the mission that we choose Be careful with the words you choose That's how we all lose We pray for change when they 
be breaking all the rules. The trouble is we're complying with the system. You get the picture, the rich are getting richer. The power lies in our hands. We have a choice to fight and try and make a stand. Let's go alive. Everybody's being taken for a fool